Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 111 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Laurel Wilson. Laurel lives in Fresno, Mexico, where her husband works for a manufacturing company, and she is a volunteer music teacher in her children's school. Welcome, Laurel. Thank you for having me today on the podcast. Well, I'm really glad to talk to you. And how are things down in Mexico today? Things are going great. We're still kind of in the middle of this pandemic mess. I know this isn't going to air until September. Hopefully by then things calm down a little bit. Yeah, we're recording in May. It's May now. So yeah, but I certainly hope so. So y'all are feeling it down there, definitely. We definitely have been feeling it. You know, schools are trying to kind of go online a little bit. It's a little more difficult. A lot of people don't have internet. They don't have computers at home. So we are still kind of shuffling some of that sort of thing going on, even though it's May. We're looking at school going through until July, so kids are definitely going to have things to keep them busy for a while. Well, that's good. Do y'all usually have school through July? or it's Usually just, it's, you're the having first to... week of July, it kind of wraps up a little bit, but they have extended it a couple weeks. Okay. Okay. That's a very different schedule than um, U.S.-based schools. I'm sure you know that mm-hmm. <laughs> as someone who has taught before. So yeah, well, y'all stay safe down there, and hopefully by the time this airs, we're all getting back to normal. That's what that's what we would like. We want to be back to normal and safe and healthy, and that is our goal. Yes. So you know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? Well, originally, I came through intermittent fasting through my husband, which is a little different. I understand through the Facebook groups, there are some ladies who are fasting who their husbands don't even know it yet. That's true. Yes. <laughs> he reads a lot and uh, of everything. And he got his hands on the obesity code by Jason Fung. 
So he didn't tell me about it. He read it and he actually came home with a list of how to do fasting, how to do a clean fast, basically. And uh, it, this is in February of 2019. And we had come back from Christmas vacation in January, just feeling bloated and yucky and said, you know what, we're going to not do this anymore. We want to lose weight and feel good. And so we had both been kind of starting up with some different things. But he had found this book and said, this is what I want to do. And I thought he was crazy. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds a lot of times it's the other yeah. way. You, you know, like you mentioned, it's the wife bringing it home and the mm-hmm. husband's like, no, you're crazy. But this time it was him. It was him. And I had so many questions. You know, well, what about it? You know, eating your muscle, which everyone tells you when I found out later isn't true. Well, what about passing out? What about blood sugar? And he finally said, just read the book, just read it. <laughs> and so I did. And I couldn't put it down. And it's kind of sciencey and technical. And there were parts that totally went over my head. But I, it just made sense. So then I went from there trying to look for lectures on YouTube. And I listened to everything I could find on intermittent fasting. And for the listeners out there, there's a lot of good information out there on YouTube. There's a lot of kind of gray area information as well. Right. So you kind of have true. to... Yeah. You have to know your source. And I think that's the key because you could really find, you know, YouTube videos that give you so much bad advice. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so for weeks, I listened to anything I could get my hands on. I also read other books by Dr. Fung. You know, he has the diabetes code as well and things like that. And I got to the point where I had pretty much exhausted anything I could find on YouTube. So I started looking for podcasts and that's how I found you. Yay. Which Did you start with this podcast? I actually found the one with you and Melanie first. Yeah. And yeah, the name also, of it is so simple. It, yes. it, it, it's easy to find. I think a lot of people do start with that one. And when we were first, this is a funny story. I don't know if you've heard me. I don't know if we told it on the podcast even. But when we were first thinking about starting that podcast, we were trying to come up with a clever name. You know, we were throwing names back and forth of all these clever, cute names. And then we were like, hey, let's just call it the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Which I think was like genius. We did. <laughs> I agree because I wouldn't have found it if I hadn't. In fact, I looked for any podcast by Dr. Fung first and I couldn't find it because it was named after his book. You think I would have looked for that, but I didn't. So I found the one with you and Melanie first and uh, also kind of sciencey and technical at times, but uh, fascinating. And then that's how I found your second podcast and joined the Facebook groups. Fabulous. So it's been really great all the way along. It's been a funny process from going from a total doubter and skeptical to be a, a true believer for sure. I love that. So your husband found the obesity code and started the journey in February of 2019. How long did it take for you to do the research before you convinced yourself, hey, I want to do it too? I mean, well, did it, was it like within a matter of like a week or did it take you some more time to mull yeah, it over? it was only about a week. Now, a little bit quick background. I know a lot of people tell their whole childhood story, which is great. I find fascinating. But a quick background on us. Both of us definitely have pounds to lose. Well, me less so now. I'm 46. He's 50. And we have five children. And so I definitely have, you know, the mom's stomach going on. Um. We both had excess of 100 pounds to lose as of January 2019. So we definitely had most of our adult lives had been going back and forth. I have lost over 80 pounds at least five times in my adult life. So I am not new to the struggles. So I I totally forgot your question. <laughs> well, I was just asking how when you know, how long it took you to really you know get started, but but I I love what you just said. You know, you you went down a different kind of rabbit hole, and I do that too. <laughs> but when you talked about that, you had lost at least eighty pounds five times. You said oh, in yeah. your adult life, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's I think so many of us can relate to that. You know, for me, the yo-yos kept getting bigger. You know, like at first, I, you know, when I was a young adult, I would yo-yo within maybe a 10-pound range. Then maybe it was a 20-pound range. Then I had my kids, and then the yo-yo got a bigger range. And then the range got really big, you know, and yes. I had lost a lot of weight. But then I rebound gained it at all, rebound gained it all back. So, yeah. So this time, though, you're like, this is going to be the last time. 
I absolutely. So it only took me about, oh, I would say less than a week to realize this is something definitely worth looking into and trying. We do a lot of the, because we live out of the country, we live in Mexico, getting hold of books is next to impossible. So we live and breathe uh, Kindle off of Amazon. Right. And we have linked accounts. So he had already bought it. So I just downloaded it and read it. I started it within a couple of days of him telling me about it. And so it didn't take that long. I had, like I said, we started in January and he introduced me to the book the 1st of February. We had just started kind of eating cleaner, eating a little better. I had had success a couple of times with a program called Five Hour Body by Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. I have that book. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some good things in there. There are a few good things. He does what he calls slow carb instead of low carb. And uh, one thing about Tim Ferriss is he writes a really interesting book. You enjoy reading it. (laughs) Even if you don't follow all of his recommendations, it's fascinating to read. At least that's what I spent a long time since I read it. But Mm -hmm. so slow carbs. Can you explain the idea of slow carbs? Slow carbs as I understand it. Do you still do that? Not as much. I call myself kind of more, I heard a, one of your guests once refer to it as carb aware. Right. That I think about it, but I don't necessarily try to over restrict. But the idea is some carbs process slower in your body than others. So beans and legumes are great. Eat them. But he cuts out almost anything that would be a source of sugar, including fruit and dairy and of course, the obvious, the pasta, the rice, the potatoes, the, all of that sort of thing. And so it is fairly strict. He doesn't come out and say do low fat, but because I'm still of that generation where fat was bad, then I would combine it with the low fat as well. So it was pretty strict. And then he advocates eating breakfast almost as soon as your feet hit the floor. Yeah. We're not going to follow that advice, Tim. <laughs> please, please don't do that. And I'd be curious to see if he has changed his opinion in the last few years with some of this science. Oh, yeah. Because he wrote that book a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, when it's I read book. that, it was it was before I was doing intermittent fasting. So I can't remember when it was released, but yeah. It's been, oh, I would say eight to 10 years, maybe, maybe not that long. It's been a while. So I had success on that a couple of times. I felt pretty good. So that's what I had started. And I think maybe that kind of helped the process a little bit because I had been kind of cutting some of the sugars and the carbs and the things out of my system. Yeah. And I totally, you know, it makes sense when you think about it physiologically, you know, what he calls, quote, slow carbs. It sounds like the things that are coupled with a lot of fiber. And so our bodies, it, it takes us longer to, you know, to digest them. Whereas, you know, we have to do a lot of work to digest, you know, um, bean. <laughs> versus whether we're eating, you know, like Cheerios. Our body doesn't have to do a lot of work. That Cheerio has already been so processed that your body just can use that energy so quickly. So that makes sense. You know, I have a whole chapter in Fast Feast Repeat that talks about the idea of ultra processed foods versus real foods. And, you know, even, you know, you mentioned potatoes as being on his no list. But when I make mashed potatoes, for example, I use the skin in oh, there yeah. too. And because I just really like it and I'm lazy. <laughs> it's easier to not peel a potato, but you're not peeling it and you're also getting the benefits from the skin. And so it's easier and it gives you a little bit more oomph. And I think it slows down, you know, in the words of Tim Ferriss, it slows down, quote, you know, the way your body's going to use those carbs. Mm-hmm, exactly. So I think he had a lot of good, a lot of good information in there and some that he just didn't, I think he just didn't have the scientific data that we have today to to do so fasting for us actually was pretty easy i'm sorry you have a question oh so you got started and you what did you start doing like how did you first implement the fasting so you were eating according to you know the slower carbs and the mm-hmm. you know the the higher mm-hmm. quality foods and then how did you implement the fasting along with that at that time when you first started so the first week or two i kind of kept the same sort of diet of foods that I had been eating for the previous month, simply because, you know, I was a little skeptical. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I had lost a couple pounds up to that point, And I felt like I was on a good track. I didn't want to jinx it or ruin it, I guess, for lack of a better word. The only real information we had at that point was from the obesity code. And he really promotes the longer fasts. The same thing happened when I read that book, Laurel, when I read the obesity code, when it came out in 2016, 
I had been doing more of the daily window approach and then read the obesity code and he, you know, promotes more of an alternate daily fasting routine in the appendix of that book. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. That's what he says to do. I'm going to do it. So I actually did that for a while um, just based on the obesity code. And then I realized, I really do like the daily eating window better. And Mm -hmm. so I switched back. But, you know, we really didn't have a lot to go on back then. No. So did you do the longer fasting We did. Well, for religious purposes, we were used to doing fasts. We're highly suggested, encouraged, I guess is the word, to do a dry fast the first Sunday of every month and for 24 hours. So doing a 24-hour fast was not unheard of for us. It wasn't unusual for us. And so I started 24-hour water fast right off the bat. And I found it quite easy because dry fast, let me tell you people, dry fast is much more difficult than a, than a water fast. Yeah. And, and we do not recommend that for the weight loss yes, community. Please don't do that for weight loss. The religious dry fasts, you know, that's a religious thing, but we do not recommend dry fasting overall, you know, anyway. So you started off by doing 24-hour water fasting. Mm-hmm. We were doing 24-hour water fasting and then it grew to two days and three days and he sometimes even does beyond that. You know, I have to put out there, neither of us have any serious health issues. Thank goodness. We don't have high blood pressure. We don't have diabetes. We don't have anything like that. If we had, definitely we would have not done this without a doctor's supervision. Yeah, that makes sense. We do recommend that if you're going to do longer fast, and I've even seen Jason Fung kind of back that up a little bit, you know, for so long, people just thought, ooh, longer, you know, when he first started off and then the complete guide to fasting came out and it talked about longer fasts and people started going down the road of longer and longer and longer fasts. And then you started to see Jason Fung talk more about like, you know, hey, medical supervision, <laughs> if you're going to do these longer fasts. And my yes. rule of thumb is 72 hours. If you're going to do a 72 hour or longer fast, I really want you to have medical supervision. You know, I watched that movie. Did you ever watch the Amazon Prime movie? I bet you did. It's called Fasting. I don't think it was available down here because I did look for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I forget that things are different across international borders, but it's an Amazon Prime video. It's old. It's been around for a while, but it's called Fasting. And they explore, it's really good if people haven't watched it, it explores the health benefits of longer fasts, but it's for healing, you know, and how other countries have been using longer fasts. But it really drives home the point that they're all being done under medical supervision in facilities that, you know, they're trained to monitor you to make sure that you're safe because, you know, things can go wrong in your body. And if no one, you don't know until it could be too late. So that's just my caveat there. And so I wanted to thank you actually, because coming through a lot of your podcasting, your Facebook groups, it kind of helped me to moderate that a little bit because I was kind of trying to push it, push it, push it. I'm kind of an all or nothing type of person. And so hearing you suggest, you know, no more than 72 hours, people, maybe, you know, and I realized I could get away with a daily eating window and still get the results I wanted. I didn't have to push it to the edge. I totally get that because I remember reading Joel Furman's fasting book. I can't think of the exact title of it, but I mean, if you type in Furman and fasting on any you know place that sells books, you'd be able to find it. But it was a great book. It's about using fasting therapeutically to heal your body. And he talks about, you know, the longer fast, and I'm talking about really long fasts where, you know, he's monitoring his patients, but he talks about how metabolism slows on these longer fasts. And that really stuck with me because, you know, we know based on the research of fasting that metabolism goes up, but then it starts to cycle back down, you know, up in a 72 hour fast. Exactly. I've seen a lot of those researches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, the fact that there's never going to be a point, we understand how the body is protected metabolically with fasting. We understand that, but there's a point where the body's like, oh, we really don't have any food. Okay. We really do need to slow down. This is different. And so the longer fast, you you have to be very careful. And he talks in his book, he's very pro-fasting, mm-hmm. but he talks in his book about how these longer fasts expect that it's going to slow your metabolism over the time. And you'll have to be careful when when you start refeeding. Yes. And so I was really glad I came through a lot of that information through you to kind of help me moderate that just a little bit to say, you know, I might think I feel okay, but maybe I'm not, it's not the best way to achieve some of my goals by going beyond three days. So through that and the Facebook groups, and I was able to kind of bring that back a little bit and um, settle into a schedule that was more conducive for having children. 
absolutely. Yeah. Because when you're trying to raise five kids, I imagine that doing fasts for days and days would not be easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Trying to feed them. Exactly. And, and, you know, I only have, I have three at the house right now. And they would say, what's going on? You know, how? And so we had to explain, you know, this is what's going on. And I don't have tiny ones. They're a little bit older. But they seem to think that that was normal. You know, it's true. If you need to lose weight, then you eat less. And I'm still growing, so I still have to eat. And so it was um, not so much that I didn't want them to see me fasting. It's just missing the family time around the dinner table sort of thing. Yeah, I get that. And a lot of people do worry about, you know, what message am I sending my kids? And people ask that a lot. But really, kids get it. You know, they totally understand, even teenagers, you know, teenage girls, people really worry about, you know, the kids, the teenage girl, and even the preteen when they start to, you know, watch what you're doing. And I actually think that, you know, giving them a good solid message of, hey, you know, I'm not growing, you still are, even as a, as a teenager, you're still mm-hmm. developing physically, watching mom have a healthy relationship with food in your eating window would be so much better than watching a mom who's, you know, struggling and dieting and having an unhealthy relationship with food because nobody could watch me eat and think I have an unhealthy relationship with food. <laughs> you <Yes. know>? <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of that concern and they fear that maybe they might develop anorexia or things that they don't understand that that's actually a psychological disorder. And this is a physical situation. And so, mm-hmm. So, but I think we, of all the years I struggled with restraining what I was eating and restricting what I was eating. Oh, definitely. That sent a much worse message. Or like when I was trying to have a shake and have a this and, you know, this diet food, that looked like struggle. Someone watching me at that time would have seen a lot of disordered kind of living versus someone yes. watching me now would not see that. So, and those I, I, think, are I want awful. people to not worry. Oh, gosh. Yeah, they are. They, they don't taste good. They don't feel good. They don't settle well. They don't. And to see your parent trying to go through that sort of torture, how would that possibly build a good relationship with food? Right. That That's what I think. So I, I want people to focus on, you know, what you're showing your kids when you are eating and the whole idea of you're growing, I'm not growing. You know, exactly. even if you have a child that's, that's overweight, you know, you still want to just not encourage them to, to fast, obviously, but mm-hmm. teach them to have a good relationship with their food and to stop when they've had enough that, you know, and boom, that's it. And that's a big, that's a big part of the battle. It is. And the snacking, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. constant snacking. Yes. So you, how did the weight loss go when you were starting off for you and for your husband? For both of us, it came off pretty well. I would say a pound or two a week was pretty consistent for the first few months. It was funny because we'd be talking in the evenings and we both look at each other and go, this is so easy. How come this <laughs> is it. so easy? Neither of us are really, <laughs> yeah, neither of us are really big exercise fans. In the past have done, when I've really tried to slim down, I've done, you know, I run four or five miles a day, six days a week. And I enjoy a run, but life right now is kind of crazy and I don't run. I haven't. He's not really, doesn't really enjoy a lot of that sort of thing either. So by August of 2019, we have both lost about 60, 70 pounds. Wow, that's really great. And the fact that y'all kept up at that same pace is great because, you know, sometimes we'll hear of a man having really great loss and then the woman is slower. But the fact that both of you lost about 60 to 70 pounds in less than a year, that's really great. And we, you know, we felt great. We did really well. He hit a bump in the road. We went to a family reunion. You know, those trips will sometimes kind of throw a curveball at you. We went on a family reunion to the States and travels and back and forth. And he kind of wasn't keeping his windows when he got back. And so he's kind of come and gone a little bit. He's gained some back and gone on and off. He knows that this is it. This is what he wants to do. He's never doubted that fasting is for him. He's just having a hard time implementing it with different life changes and things like that, that he's come up against. But I've continued to go ahead and steadily lose and steadily feel good. I'm pretty close. I started at about 250 pounds. And I am 5'6", and I'm 46 years old. 
And I am currently in the mid 150s range. I might get down to 150 or might get a little. So I'm really close to that 100 pound mark. I feel it is. I would love to see that 100 pound mark and get it to just stick. But, you know, I feel great where I'm at now. It's just such a great number. I get it. You know, you just want to see that. I mean, you're like a hundred pounds just sounds, it sounds so much more impressive than even 97, right? I don't know. It's just, it's all just <laughs> exactly. psychological, right? It I lost 97 pounds. You're like, well, why did you stop? You had three to go, but really it's, <laughs> me- it's meaningless. Yeah, you could do it. Chop off a few toes. I mean, yeah, I'm kidding. But <laughs> just to see that number, I, I get mm-hmm. it. It's like all the celebrations we have with people who get to Wonderland, you know, they're just so excited to have that first digit. So, or like you might decide you want to see 149, you know, I just want to see a four, you know, and you could like make yourself miserable over really a meaningless little number, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. we all get it. Yeah. We get so caught up in that sort of thing. And it's taken me a while because I've been in about the same range for a couple months now. And I realized I feel great, I have great energy. I'm not always thinking, well, I could get down a size. I could get down a size. I think, you know, I'm a size eight and I'm okay with that. Maybe I could get down to a six, but for now where I'm at in my life, I feel great. And so it's been over a year and I feel pretty good about that. And I want to really just let you know that even if the scale never moves another pound, your body is going to slowly continue to change because that was, you know, the thing that surprised me over the years. You know, you know, I've been, um, you heard my story a million times, but you know, I've been in quote maintenance since 2015 and my body has continued to change. You know, there were, especially at the beginning of maintenance, you know, the first couple years, that's when I really saw more changes. And so I continued to get leaner without the scale doing a lot of changing. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> well, and I think I'm seeing it come off and in, we've talked about this. Well, I shouldn't say we, I say we, cause I consider myself part of the group. You are, you're, you're the we, you're part of the we, <laughs> part of the we, the royal we, right. We see it come off differently than in other diets. Oh yeah. In different ways. For example, I have never had issue with my rings, with my hands. Being a musician, I play a lot of piano, I play a lot of violin, my hands are really active. My wedding rings have never been too tight and they've never been too loose. I've been married for 20, I want to say 26 years. And the other week I was washing my hands because, you know, COVID-19, we got to wash our hands. And I almost lost my wedding ring down the sink. Uh, I actually had to have my ring. Yeah, I had to have my ring resized after I got, I got down to my goal weight. And it was, and I wore it. It was a ring that I got when I wasn't at my highest. And so it fit me when I was smaller. But then when I was smaller again, the ring didn't fit. Yeah, I've been weighed less than this in the past. And yet my ring has never been this loose. So it's funny how with body recomposition that you will be shaped differently than you have been in the past. It's so true. I was actually just talking about this with Melanie on Intermittent Fasting Podcast, which will have been months ago by the time this airs. But we were talking (laughs) about something that I, I wrote about in Fast Feast Repeat about how when you're fasting, your body targets different fat. You know, research shows it actually targets the visceral fat differently. Like it goes to that first. And Mm -hmm. so you actually, with the fasting, your body is like, you know, quote, unlocking, you know, different fat that you couldn't get to when you were doing just, you know, a regular diet in the past. Mm -hmm. Which is great. You want to get rid of that. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like my waist has gotten so much smaller than it had been. You know, I bet your waist has gone down a ton. It's gone down quite a bit. Are you a measurer? I'm a bit of a measure. I'm more, I'm a pear shape, so I focus more on that hip measurement. But I do measure the waist just a little bit just because I wanted to reach that point. You know, they say you take the waist measurement, you multiply by two, and you compare it against your height, and that's how you know you're no longer overweight sort of thing. And so I've watched that just to make sure, you know, it comes down. Oh, I'm now officially not measuring overweight. You know, that was exciting. But I focus a lot more kind of on the lower measurements just because I am a pear-shaped sort of person. That makes sense. But I wish I had measurements from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew how big my waist was when I started. I don't. I don't have that number. But boy, I wish I did. I would like to go back and tell myself to have that number. <laughs> and I think when we're in that place, when we're a hundred, you know, hundred and ninety or two hundred and fifty, like I was, 
you kind of don't want to know. You don't want to know. You kind of live in denial and you don't go to the doctor and get the tests done because you're embarrassed. I mean, I was anyway. I was really embarrassed to go to the doctor and ask for help. I was embarrassed to go to the Weight Watchers meeting. I was embarrassed because it's such a social stigma. And if I don't admit it, then maybe it's not true. It's kind of a denial. Right. I get it, you know, and that's exactly true because, you know, you go to the doctor for whatever your complaint might be and you're just afraid you're going to hear, well, just lose some weight. Yeah. You know, well, no, that's, <laughs> if only it were just like, oh, it'll lose some weight. I hadn't thought of that, you know, but we had, cause we'd been, you know, I never stopped thinking about my weight when I was, when I was obese. It, it was something I felt every, all the time as I moved through the day. Mm-hmm. And I felt like people were judging me, whether they were or not. They probably didn't even notice or care, but I felt like it. Yes. And I had been to doctors for completely unrelated reasons. I went to a doctor once because I had um, issues with my throat. And he offered to refer me for gastric bypass. Oh, oh my gosh. And I went to a podiatrist, you know, for an ingrown toenail. And he tried to put me on some sort of weight supplements. And so... The fear is real. It's there. Yeah. You're like, no, I'm sorry. It's my toenail. My toenail <laughs> is in. <laughs> Please don't my toenail does not need a shake. <laughs> but, you know, we're laughing at that. But gosh, that would feel like such a slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard. And I understand they're medical professionals and they care about the health of all their patients overall. I understand that. But that is, I don't want to go back to that doctor now. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. And, you know, ever since intermittent fasting was highlighted in the New England Journal of Medicine in December, I hope more and more doctors are realizing that this is a great tool to have in the toolbox and how intermittent fasting can be used with patients, you know, for health purposes and the weight loss, you know, will come. Not everybody's going to get down to a size two. That's not the goal. You know, we're not trying to get, you know, to this shredded body. I mean, you know, some people are trying to get to the shredded body. That's awesome. I'm not. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> by the time this airs, I'll be 51. And, you know, I, I want to just feel good in my 51-year-old body. Which I think is really an awesome goal. Yeah. And for you, you know, you're a size eight. Mm-hmm. And you feel good in your body. And that's what matters. Yes. Yes. So I think a lot of my struggles haven't been necessarily physical struggles. I know you've talked to a lot of people who have had some really severe physical struggles through their fasting. And I think most of mine have not necessarily been physical. They've really been the mental, emotional side of you know, who am I? What do I want? And you look at yourself. I look at myself, looked at myself in pictures and not recognized myself when I was overweight. Right. And also that's what's so funny. You see yourself in the mirror every day, but Mm -hmm. in a picture, you're like, oh, wow. That's not me. That's just a bad angle. You know, it's what we tell ourselves. We just don't recognize. It's like the opposite of the people who look at themselves, you know, the people who are anorexic and they look at themselves and they they still see themselves as fat, even though they're clearly, you know, at a dangerously underweight. I think we had the opposite. You know, I looked at myself Mm -hmm. in the mirror. I saw myself as just normal. But then in a picture, I'd be like, oh, that, yeah, that's not normal. That's not, that's not who I see in the morning and the camera, there's something wrong. The camera puts on weight. That's what we tell ourselves. So yeah, we all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by, by optimizers. This one of a kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories 
promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So now how are you looking at yourself differently? I feel much better at looking at I look at myself, well, for example, now that we're at home and studying online and quarantine and all that sort of thing, my daughter, I have a daughter who's 13, she started a little um, YouTube channel where she takes videos of just what it's like being an American kid growing up in Mexico sort of thing. Oh, I love that. And I don't know if I can plug it. You can plug it. Okay. <laughs> she calls it World Audrey. And there's a lot of Audrey's on YouTube. So if you search World Audrey Mexico, it will come up. And she's only 13. It's just cute little videos. But I appear from time to time in these videos because I'm part of her world. And I don't cringe at seeing myself on the screen. I don't mind these going out for the world to see because I feel okay with that. And that is huge for me. Yeah. So huge. I still do this. You probably do it too. Every time someone takes a picture of me, I still scour it. Yeah. And look at myself. <laughs> I'm going to turn to the side. I'm going to put my yeah. shovel like this because this is how I look better. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, even though my honesty pants still fit, I'm still like afraid I'm going to look and be like, oh, no, I'm 210 pounds again, you know, but I'm, yeah. I'm clearly not. <laughs> my shorts are fitting, you know. <laughs> but there's still that fear that you're going to be like, oops, but no. So I'm glad that you're enjoying seeing yourself on those videos. That's a great feeling. It's, it's fun. And it's fun that I can be part of that with her. Because Instead I think sometimes when we're overweight, we kind of want to fade in the background. We're not in a lot of our photos with our kids. We're not, you know, there's a big Christmas event. That's okay. I'll take the picture. I don't want to be in the picture. We're not in that photo with everyone standing around the tree on the first day of school, things right. like that. Yeah, I was embarrassed to have photos taken with my husband. That might sound crazy, but he's always been slim, always, never had, you know, weight problems. So I always felt like, like I remember going to his high school reunion Maybe it was his 25th. I can't remember. And I was really heavy. And he was just lean as always, as all, you know, looked like he did in high school probably. And I can remember standing next to him and thinking, gosh, I bet they're like, gosh, you know, look at him stuck with that big chubby wife, you know, and, and just being so embarrassed to be next to him. That's so sad to think about. Like, I remember being at that reunion thinking that they're probably judging me as, you know, so many things we tell ourselves. So sad. And we do. And the sad thing is, I am sure that never crossed your husband's mind for a second. Maybe like that's it did where we- I don't know. It might have. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not. I sure was thinking about it. You know, like, there's Chad's really big wife. Yeah. Anyway, so sad. The stories we tell ourselves in our heads, that probably no one was thinking that except for me. But and we wait for we wait for that weight gain to come back. We wait for that moment because we've been up and down so often and tried so many crazy things and strenuous exercise and the app that keeps track of every single calorie that you eat. And so one huge victory I had was in January, I gave away my fat clothes. Oh, hooray! I've that never is a huge given milestone. away my fat clothes. I've always kept my fat clothes because, you know, what, just in case, you know. And in January, I did. In, of 2020, I had a friend who had family who lives out in some little rancho. I've been out there. It's just one of these communities where it's just dirt roads with adobe houses and they cook over fire. And she was taking some clothes out to just kind of donate to the community. And I gave her about three boxes of fat clothes. And I 
had a hard time with that. It's like, can I really let these go? Yeah. <laughs> and I did the same said, exact yes, thing. Do it. Good. I always saved them. I would have always, I always had boxes of clothes that were at all the sizes from 16 down to four, you know, from, from when I had been, you know, my, my diet pills days when I was able to stay slim. And then I, of course, rebounded from that. But, yes. you know, I had all those clothes and I saved them. Every time I would go up and down, I would put them away. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when the new season would come along, I'd be like, all right, what size is it? Good? It was almost like, you know, size roulette. What's it going to be yes. this season? <laughs> am I going to be a 12 or am I going to be a six? It could be it's a 14, you know, <laughs> but that's never happened again. You know, ever since I got, now I'm going to be honest. There have been times my honesty pants have told me a story that I needed to kind of rein it in a little bit. Like, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I started to have weight creep a little bit. I felt my honesty pants getting a little tighter and I'm like, let me think about why. I'm like, well, okay, I'm under a whole lot of stress. We know that stress causes your body to hold on to some weight. Also, I had been having really long windows because of the stress. Mm -hmm. And so all I did was tighten it up. I'm like, you know, I think I'll wait until four to open my window instead of opening it at one, just because I feel like it. And, you know, boom, right back to normal over, you know, the next month. But um, it's easy to get a rain on it. You know, what you, you, you have those. Yeah. And I'm not worried that I'm going to need bigger pants. I've got the tools in my toolbox to keep me at this size, you know, even as I go through menopause. That doesn't mean I might not have to tighten up here and there, mm-hmm. but I always know why. I love that you very much emphasize the idea of it's not cheating. It's a decision. It's life. It's not cheating. And a lot of diets, it's the diet mindset of, well, you know, I'm not supposed to be eating carbs, but I had some bread. And so I might as well just throw the whole weekend out. I'm just going to go crazy. And I love that. It's just, you know, you tweak it. Life changes and your body changes and your situation changes and you tweak for what works for you today. And that's what makes it a lifestyle is that it's so adaptable. It's so flexible. You have things that change in your job, in your life, in your home, in your family and who knows, especially, you know, like you said, with the pandemic and everyone's stressed out and they're talking about, you know, how fasting is hard or how it's easy or how it's, you know, life changes. Yeah, I actually think I was a little leaner. I was looking at some old photos. I think I was a little leaner in 2018 than I am now. I mean, I don't weigh, but it was when I was still teaching and I was, you know, more active and not as far along with the the perimenopause, but my clothes are all fitting the same. And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's okay. Now looking back at that picture, I'm like, my arm was a little skinnier, different a little you could, <laughs> yeah. than it, in 2018 than it is here in 2020. But I don't feel any stress about it or like, I've, oh my God, I've gained a lot of weight. I'm like, oh, okay. I think when I was teaching, you know, things were, but it, I, I'm looking at it with interest instead of like, oh my gosh, I'm instead of do something horror. about yes. that. Yeah. There's no horror. Mm-hmm. I'm a few years older now and I'm not teaching five days a week and then coming home and opening my window four thirty, five o'clock and it's okay. Yes. And that's great. It is it's such a healthy mindset. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I have to diet because I, I want to look like a little leaner like I did in 2018. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't need to do that. It's okay. And that's and that's great. And I still catch myself. Like you said, you still kind of catch yourself once in a while. Those old diet thoughts kind of creep in for just a nanosecond. You say, no, that's not who I am anymore. Exactly. You know, I'm keeping my eye on my waist measurement and it's still in that same range as it has always been, at, you know, even since then. And my clothes are all fine. So, you know, it's just a matter of Living long-term, giving yourself grace, understanding you're still going to have, you know, changes here and there. Yes. And that's big. As I age, my skin is not going to look the same amount of firmness at the age of 60 when I get there as it did at 45 or 48 or whatever. And just realizing, okay, you know, I don't have to fight with that or stress about it. I just have to realize, yep, it's what my body is doing right now. And that's good. So much freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom is really the word. It is. And the freedom to tweak and the freedom to recognize what's going on, just like I had the, you know, the freedom to have longer windows when I was stressed. 
Mm-hmm. But then I had the freedom to tweak it back up when I realized <laughs> what what was happening. Yeah, because I do refuse to buy bigger pants. I'm not going to go up a size, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen. So having the tools in the toolbox to recognize, hmm, I don't need to have a cocktail at 3 o'clock. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So um, so your husband, is he still fasting? He said not as much or not at all? Currently, he is. He was doing really great. And like I said, we went on a vacation. He came back and he kind of didn't so much. And then he tightened it back up and then Christmas hit. And so then he kind of didn't so much and then he was doing great again. And so it kind of, he's trying to find his balance. He's trying to find, you know, how to do that. So he kind of comes and goes, but for the most part, yes, he is. He's very, very supportive. Even if he's kind of still eating, he's never been a much of a breakfast guy. So even if he's still kind of eating more than I am, if I choose not to eat that day, he's fine with that. And that's great. That's good. I love what you said that he's finding his balance because, Mm -hmm. you know, we really have the rest of our life to tweak this and and there'll be seasons of our lives where we have longer windows like, like God just did for a while and then you'll tighten it back up and you just keep going with how you feel and it's okay. Yeah. You know, I don't look back over that early pandemic when I was, you know, maybe doing a little stress eating. I don't look back and say, gosh, I was bad. (laughs) I was getting off track. I was off the wagon. I wasn't. I was still fasting every day. And my body was, you know, going through a lot of stress. And so it was okay. Yeah. And so, you know, now that we've come to terms with, okay, we're all going to be all right. You know, we're, we're getting through this and it's, we can change the focus and find our balance that way, but don't beat ourselves up over it. Yes. And that's the beauty of it. We're humans responding to the human environment and trying to figure out. We have the rest of our lives, as I said, to make this work for us. And it just feels so good. It does. And there's so many little tiny things, even if you don't have to fix diabetes, even if you don't have to get your Hashimoto's under control, even like I said, in our case, we didn't have major health issues, but I still noticed other little like they call them NSVs, non-scale victories. Yeah, so that's just great, though. You talked about how you, you both had about 100 pounds to lose, but you didn't have any health issues that were big and related to being overweight. Yes. That's remarkable. Same with yeah, me. I, I was, so. you know, I didn't have any either, even though I was, you know, had 80 pounds to lose. I didn't, I mean, I hadn't been diagnosed. Who knows what, what would have happened over exactly. time. But <laughs> what have been some of your best non-scale victories? Um, I was to the point where it kind of hurt to get out of bed in the morning, like my joints just to get moving. And so it doesn't hurt. I can pop right out of bed and it's not an issue. I can cross my legs again. That's amazing. Love it. I love it. Yeah. That's huge. I mean, you know, I can sit cross-legged on the floor, you know? Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
And, but I don't have to cross my legs when I'm sneezing. <laughs> oh, that's good. Women everywhere are applauding that. Yes, especially after five <laughs> children, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we live in a house that's pretty narrow. It's only about 20 feet across. And the area we're at, all the houses are brick and they're built right up against the neighbor. But it's three stories high. So my laundry is on the third story. Yeah, my laundry is on the third story and my kitchen's on the first story. And boy, let me tell you, to get that laundry up to the third story, I would just be hopping and puffing. And now I can just run up and down. It's not a big deal. And so that's been really nice to be able to run up and down the stairs in my own house. That is really huge. Yeah. I remember um, when, when my husband and I were in New York City, it was maybe 2012, and I think I weighed about 178 pounds, which is, I can tell you exactly <laughs> that I weighed about 178 <laughs> pounds at that time. And I remember going up the stairs, we went to the um, Empire State Building, and you took the elevator to a certain point, and then you walked. And I can remember dragging my 178 pounds up those stairs, and I thought I was going to die. Yes. <laughs> and I could, you know, now I feel like I could just run right up them. It's huge, though. And, I, you know, the Mayan ruins I talk about in, in Delay Don't Deny that, you know, that moment when I was, you know, 2014 and I was 210 pounds trying to walk up the Mayan ruins. And it mm-hmm. was so hard to get up there. Yep. And we have some, we went to some ruins over Christmas break and we just ran right up those things like it was nothing. It was just a lot of fun to enjoy with our kids and things like that. And so that's really big. Oh, I had um, acid reflux. I was taking pills every day for this acid reflux every night, and I haven't taken them in over a year. And that's, that's fabulous. Been, yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. It is, because that can do a lot of damage, especially working as a music teacher, and you have to use your voice. Well, a teacher in general, you just have to use your voice. But, you know, you have to sing, and you have to demonstrate. And I would have, I had issues with the acid reflux damaging my vocal cords and things like that. And so not having that has been really nice. That's huge. And so many people in, you know, our modern era are suffering from acid reflux. And, yes. you know, I have concerns about those medications long term. You know, it, your stomach needs to be acidic, mm-hmm. you know, to do its job. But what we want to stop is it re- refluxing back up into oh, our, you up. know. Yeah. So, you know, just neutralizing the acid is the solution to not damage your esophagus. But then it has, you know, longer term issues with you don't digest the food the right way. And, you know, that anyway, it's a complicated problem. So being able to heal the acid reflux instead of treating it has so many more long-term benefits. Really, That's it huge. does. A lot of, yeah. at least the medication I was taking, it said, you know, just take it for two weeks. And I was taking it a lot longer than two weeks. Well, I think a so, lot of people do. Yeah. Mm-hmm, because it's not something that goes away unless you treat the cause instead of putting a Band-Aid on it. And being overweight causes a lot of, you know, pushing mm-hmm. on that, that flap, that esophageal it does. flap. And, you know, just kind of overeating and eating late at night. And I mean, some people do really well with eating late at night. I am not one of those people. So what does your schedule look like? What is your ideal intermittent fasting schedule right now? Well, when we're not in quarantine, <laughs> normally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> normally I kind of wait until we get home from school. I go and I teach in the afternoon at the school and the kids get home or home around 3, 3.30. I might open my window around 4. We'll have family dinner about 6.37. And then I close it about 7.30. So about a four, three, four hour window most, most days. Now that we are kind of all home all the time and my husband is trying to do these longer fasts, then right now I find it works really well that I have about a one hour window around four o'clock. I eat to satisfaction till I feel great. I plan a really nice late lunch with my kids and we take a break from homework and I just enjoy that meal to the max. And if I want a little piece of chocolate afterwards, I have it. And if not, I don't. I close my window and I'm done. And that's worked really well those last month or so. Well, good, good. The key is that it's different based on the situation that you're going through and it it feels enjoyable. Yes. And so that's what's working for us right now. Yeah. That's very, what you talked about, your pre-quarantine window is really very similar to my sweet spot. You know, I talked about how I had been having a little window creep opening a little earlier, but I really do feel my very, very best when I wait till after four to open my window 
and then I have a snack. And then just like you, dinner somewhere around 6.30 to 7. And then I usually do not leave it open much longer after that, unless I'm having, you know, that second glass of wine after dinner. And then I might Mm -hmm. need a little something else. But otherwise, I very, very often close my window by 7.30. I'm not generally eating late and late into, even though I describe my window as an evening eating window, it's not like, you know, 10 p.m. I'm having a dinner or anything. I'm not comfortable going to bed with a little food baby. It just doesn't feel good. I don't think I would be either. You know, I don't think I would feel good. I mean, I remember having that issue one time we had like reservations really late. It was like Valentine's Day and the dinner was really late. And I, it, was, it was a few years ago and I ate a big old steak and I remember being miserable. So yeah, I don't like that at all. Giant meal and then to bed. No, <laughs> it doesn't work for me personally. <laughs> no, that didn't feel good at all. I don't think it's good for our bodies, but I still describe mine, like I said, as an evening, evening window. window. And that's how I feel yeah. it is too. So you said your husband's doing longer fasts mm-hmm. right now. Is he doing more of like an alternate daily? Yeah, he'll do two or three days at a time and then he'll take okay. an up day or two. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be working for him. He has crept up quite a bit. So he feels like he still has a good 80 pounds to lose again. He says, I'm not going to do this forever, but it will just to jumpstart things for him. I would like to encourage him to maybe instead of doing, you know, two or three days and then an update, maybe just up, down, up, down, up, down. Have him think about that. I've talked to that to him about it. And I've tried to get him to listen to your podcast and to some of your opinions and your research about that. But he's dead set that this is how he's going to do it. He wants to get it done. But I really do think it's not just because, you know, I'm trying to be bossy here, but... (laughs) I really, I've been around in these communities for a long time and I have developed my opinions based on watching people, watching what happens when they do a lot of longer fasts. And it's not that they they can't lose the weight. It's what happens later. They crash and burn later. And I've seen it so many times, the more gung ho, like I'm just going to do it. And then they're like, oh, you know, and it burns their body out and then their metabolism does. That is kind of what I've seen with him over the last year. He's gung ho and he kind of crashes a little bit. But as much as I can tell him that he has to discover that on his own. So 100% I get uh-huh, it. But uh-huh. if he wants to, you know, listen to Jen's advice, <laughs> tell him. I'll tell him your personal advice and see how he takes I think it. <laughs> something, you know, if he could think of it between, you know, 3612, anywhere between 3612 to 426. If he could just do a pattern like that, just get into the routine and you know, anywhere between 36.12 and 42.6, just keep repeating that. I really think that he would find he's going to get where he wants to be and be able to not burn himself out versus getting there and then rebounding. Well, I will definitely tell him that's your personal advice and maybe he will listen to you more than he listens to me. (laughs) What's his name? What's his name? His name is Spencer. Spencer, this is Jen. <laughs> that's what I want you to do, Spencer. I love that name. What a, what a, that's a great name. <laughs> well, we are almost at the end of our time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you had first gotten started? I think two things, and they're really simple, but I think for me at least, they were key and they could be for others. Number one, it sounds like a crash diet. It is not. It sounds like an extreme, crazy, can't really be healthy in the long run diet. It is not. If you do the research, if you look at it, if you see what medical proof we have with it, it is really, really, really great for you. There are very few people that could not benefit from this. So do your research and really be aware of what it is. I think that's the first thing. I think my second thing is something that I was able to really grab onto when I read the obesity code. And that is, you may be overweight. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. We, Like I talked earlier, I had shame. I had guilt. It's not lack of willpower. It's not lack of self-control. If you had lack of self-control, you wouldn't have lost weight over and over and over. If it was a matter of willpower, we wouldn't have overweight doctors. Right. The physiology fights you. And I really explained this in a lot of detail in Fast Feast Repeat. So, um, you know, I hope that that really helps people to understand, you know, the physiology of how your body fights back. 
and that it really isn't your fault. You know, there's a quote in the book, you didn't fail diets, diets failed you. I like that. Thank you. I was proud of that one. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait for you, you to read the new book. Words. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, it's so true. Lose the shame. Lose the guilt. It's not your fault. Your body is responding the way our bodies are designed to respond. And we're not weak, you know, we've tried so hard. And that's the message I want to get out there. We're not failures who are weak and should be embarrassed. But even though we feel it. Yeah, we do. And so just, you know, get over that, get your information correct, get it from good sources. And you can do this because it's not your fault. It, it, you can make it work. Well, on that note, Laurel, thank you so much for talking to me today. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much for all you do. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.